God, thanks for your goodness. Thanks for the chance to be in your house. You are good. And you are worthy of our praise. So, Father, I pray that as we open your word today, that you would speak to us. May we see you with fresh eyes in your word. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Am I safe to try? Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, it is good to see you. I know I made a fashionably late arrival and I'm sitting because let me let me just throw it to you this way. Your pastor doesn't not sleep well. <laughs> OK, I, I uh, whenever I don't sleep, my body goes all kinds of crazy. But I spent the probably what was I actually in the air for like 24 hours coming back from Cambodia and Indonesia And uh, I'll share more about that in the days to come. But uh, let me just tell you that it was it was remarkable what uh, what I got to see that God was doing in a totally different part of the world. It's just amazing. It's humbling. And we serve a big God church. We serve a big, big God. And he's moving all around the world. And uh, we were we were with these two specific church plants that uh, planted about exactly the same time as Redeemer City Church, one in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, and one in Jakarta, the outskirts of Jakarta, Indonesia. And by the way, Jakarta is like the most dense city in the world. It was unbelievable. We it took us four hours to get to the airport. And uh, we were only like five miles away. It was unbelievable. But seeing God move in a different place and in a different way uh, and in poverty and, and through the midst of poverty is uh, truly humbling, truly humbling. So I'm looking forward to sharing some of that with you in the weeks to come and really to, to challenge us with, with our opportunity to whom much is given, much is required, right? And so we're uh, we're blessed, church. We really are. And uh, I couldn't wait to be back here, though, and uh, be with you and celebrate this special day uh, of baptisms. But but as before we do that, I, I want to take you into Galatians chapter two. So if you have a Bible, go to Galatians chapter two. We're going to continue our series. You all enjoy my dad last week. Good, good. He's old school, but uh, he loves the Lord. Am I safe to switch yet? We can try. Okay. Check, 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 check. Okay. Here you go. Perfect. I need my liquids today. Um, so... As, as you know, we've been going through the book of Galatians here, and as we come to chapter 2, what, what we just saw from Paul last week was his story, right? His story and why your story matters. And I want to draw your attention to that last verse one more time. And I don't think it's going to be on the screen. I didn't ask for it. but Because I just want you to listen and think about the last verse of chapter 1. And here's what Paul says, and they glorified God 
because of me. That is pastoral ministry. My goal as your pastor, every time you walk out of this place, is not that you remember the songs, not that you think the lights were great, not that you remember the sermon, but that you walk out of here saying, God is good, God is great. That, that you would meet Jesus every week in a way that you haven't before. That, that even in the mundane moments of your life, that Jesus would be big. That, that you in, in every situation, in every moment of your life, would be able to, to look at life, and no matter how good, bad, or ugly it is, that you would be able to glorify God because of what you're seeing Him do in the world. But then Paul transitions into chapter 2. And he, he covers what, if you haven't walked in the church, or been in the church, or uh, read much of the Bible, if I know a lot of you are, are new to the faith, uh, th- this chapter is critical to your understanding. If, if you don't know the Lord, if you, if you do, and, and quite frankly, there's a lot of people who have known the Lord for a long time, and this is still a critical chapter because we get it wrong a lot. And so what, what I want to walk you through today are, are some incredibly important concepts that mean everything to your walk with the Lord. Your Christian life hangs on this chapter because how you choose to live your life with Christ matters. How you choose to live out that life matters and so as we come to it uh, notice the first thing there in chapter 2 he says after 14 years i went up again to jerusalem um so what's he talking about what what's this 14 years thing um there is some debate in uh the scholarly world about what those 14 years are it's one of basically two things it's either 14 years since paul got saved if you're, if you're new to church, let me just give you the, the cliff notes on that. So the Paul used to be named Saul, and Saul was a terrorist. Think ISIS. Uh, I just read yesterday that Egyptians were attacked again for being followers of Jesus. Uh, that was Saul. Saul was a terrorist. Saul was somebody who would find Christians and kill Christians. That, that was his goal in life. And then one day God decided to meet Paul on a road called Damascus, and I'm totally telling you the cliff notes. You should read the book of Acts. It's awesome. But what happened was God meets him, gloriously saves him, and turns his life around, and he goes the other way. And, and he, begins to, he begins to serve Jesus instead of uh, destroy the church. Okay, And so that, that was Paul's life. And so from that moment forward, either 14 years or 14 years ago, was this council in the book of Acts Uh, chapter 15 called the Jerusalem Council. One of those two things, 14 years later, here we are. So so basically the timeline goes, either Paul got saved, 14 years later we have chapter 2, and then Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council, or it goes, Paul got saved, Jerusalem Council, now we have chapter 2. You're welcome to get yourself a study Bible and make a decision not going to change our text today but it does provide some interesting stuff for you but um as you as you think about that but here's here's why that 
can matter. The Jerusalem Council was there because it was about um, adding in Gentiles to the Christian faith and how exactly that should go. In the Old Testament, the God asked his people to follow a certain set of laws, some ceremonial, some, and I don't want to go through all of it, but we will in some ways, in, in some other day. But there, there were different laws that God asked his people to follow. And so as they followed those, um, they would be ready to be in God's presence. Well, when Jesus came, he did away with all that. And so, you know, Hebrews tells us that we have access to come boldly into the throne room of God. Unlike ever before. And so, but when Gentiles were first grafted in, so there were Jews and Gentiles. Jewish people were God's chosen people. The ones that were the conduit to bring Jesus to the world. Uh, the whole Old Testament traces through the lineage to Jesus but what happens when God does something totally out of your expectations? And that's essentially what's happening here. Is that the people in this region of Galatia were being confronted with some ideas that they weren't sure that they liked. And maybe you can fill in the blank for the, the place that we live today. And about the difficulties that our country faces. Because what it really was is knowing that God, that God loved people outside Israel as much as he loved people inside Israel. And so as we come, that, that's the setting of chapter 2. That's the setting of chapter 2. And, and here's what it says. After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential. That's called the meeting before the meeting, by the way. If you're in leadership at all, you know, you know what that's all about. You have a meeting before the meeting. The gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. What's Paul saying? We want to run in this life. Think about it. You, you have one life to offer the Lord. You have one life to offer your family. You have one life to offer this life. You've got one shot. And how many of you know that this life can be over at any moment? Something about going up in a plane and coming down in a plane. A plane the day before we left crashed into the sea right where, I'm sure you saw it, the Lion Air flight. That was right where we were at. And, uh, it just puts in perspective that life is short, guys. Life is short. And you spend time in these other cultures and, and God just puts some things in perspective that, you know, we, we maybe aren't all that we think we are. Sometimes we, sometimes we need God to give us a wake-up call through His Word and just say, listen, we want to run, but what are we running after? Let me ask you that question this morning. What are you running after in your life? What is the thing that matters most to you? The first blank in your notes is this. What you believe matters. What you believe matters. See, because what Paul's doing here is, is he's, 
He's going back to a place of confrontation, which none of us like. And he's he's going to confront something that, quite frankly, it would have been easier for him to just not deal with. It would have been easier for him to just walk away from. But he knew that wasn't right. He knew that wasn't right. And so what I want to say to you is you want to run in this life, but you want to run after the right thing. Because what you believe matters. And what's really the truth here is that the gospel is at stake. The gospel is at the heart of the debate. And it is the thing that matters. And so we keep going there in verse 3. Here's what he says, but even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. So I'm going to explain some of these things in a minute. If you don't know what all that's about, you're like, why is the Bible talking about circumcision? (laughs) Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out your freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission for even a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised also worked through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. What is all that about? Why does Paul say, what you believe matters? We're going to run after the right thing. It's about the gospel. And then he starts talking about circumcision. Because, basically, in in the Old Testament, uh, there was an old covenant. And I'm super simplifying this. And it would be a great thing for you to study. But there, there were ways that the Jewish people would identify and submit to that covenant. One of those ways, and I'm sure you've heard it in uh, when you read through the Gospels or um, read about Jesus' life, but it will say something like, on the eighth day, he was circumcised. And I'm sure you've heard that, and I'm sure you've just brushed past it like, like all of us do, because circumcision is just not a big deal. All right? It's just something we kind of do when you're a baby and move on and, you know, whatever. And so, some people don't, and it's like, why is this in the Bible? And so... What's happening here is that to, to, to bring that crazy idea down into your world where you live, let me just put it this way. What, what the Jewish leaders were struggling with was adding things to what was necessary to be saved. So, so here, here's the way that looks for you and I. When you choose to follow Jesus, when you become a Christian... Is it then up to you for God to be pleased with you? Or is he already pleased with you? That's the heart of the issue. Is is there anything that you have to do to earn God's favor? 
And the answer to that question is no. And I want to show you, but as you think about the circumcision and let, let me let me keep reading. Let me add let me add eleven to fourteen because there's going to bring up a food issue. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came and but when he, when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. <laughs> so, Sound like a political problem, huh? This is not about politics, so don't worry. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. What was the first blank we filled in? What you believe matters. Paul says, even Barnabas. Barnabas means son of encouragement. Even the nicest guy, that'd be like, that'd be like Pastor Kevin getting led astray. The, the nicest guy we know. <laughs> I'm just trying to bring it home for you. Just trying, to make it, just trying to make the text come alive. He says, even Barnabas, even Barnabas was led, away, led, away, led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, that's Peter, by the way, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? Well, what's all that? What's all that happening there? Ba- basically, it's it's three concepts, two concepts that I that I want you to know about uh, in your walk with Jesus. The first one is this: it's called legalism. It's called legalism, and legalism is this. You can fill it in in your blanks. Legalism is taking God's law out of its context. Taking God's law out of its context. Uh, before Jesus came, there were more aspects to the law that were required for us to follow. Since Jesus came, the law serves a purpose to show you who you really are. The, the law is the mirror that God holds up in front of you. But the law cannot save you. And the law is not of use to you even once you are saved. And that, that, that scares some people. Because the first question that comes to your mind, especially if you're a type A, is that, well, what about the people that, that don't act like, what about the people that don't act like they, like they love Jesus? Well, Jesus can handle it. Let's pray for them. Let's walk with them. Let's serve them. And let's be with them. Does that make sense? Because what Paul is saying here is that, um, and what he brings this council together for is to say that what you believe matters because what, you're, what you end up doing is drawing people away from the gospel if you make it about something else. That's just simply what it says here. That when we make it about a list of do's and don'ts, the church has always created problems. When we keep it about Jesus, the church has always been sweet. Make sense? But then the second one there is hypocrisy. That's the second thing Paul brings up. And here, here's what that. Here's my definition for that: pretending to be better than we really are. Hypocrisy is pretending to be better than we really are. And here's where I think most of us church people struggle. And I'm just going to put myself right in there with with it. Okay, so I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm just going to talk about myself. How about that? And you you decide for you if if you fit that bill or not. 
But most often we're, we're like in the Instagram league, right? Where the things we put up aren't necessarily the things that are happening. The, the life we portray on the outside isn't necessarily the real life that's happening on the inside. Does that sound familiar sometimes? Yeah, of course it does. It happens. It happens to every single one of us. And, and what Paul's saying to Peter here is that the way you choose to live out your faith matters. See, because what Paul was saying is it, it would have been better for Peter to voice his struggle. To voice his struggle than to just pull back. Because he ended up leading other people away from Christ. And I just want you to know that every decision you make matters. Because you're always leading people towards Jesus. Or you can be always leading people towards Jesus. Because the next part of the text is what matters so much. You see, Paul comes and, and he starts this argument and he's, he's willing to push back on this issue that's happening because of what comes next. And, and it's really who we are. It's who this church is. It's who the gospel is. It's everything. Here, here, here's what, let's read the rest of the, the chapter here. It says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ, and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. See, what's the Bible asking there, right? Um, in, in our cultural context, there, there's this cultural caveat that every Christian feels in the back of their head. What if they don't act like it? <laughs> what, if, what if that person gets saved, but then they don't act like it? What Paul's saying is Christ some kind of liar then? No. Because we're all sinners. You're a sinner, and I'm a sinner. And we all need the grace of Jesus every single day. Every single day. Because the next blank that you have is to be justified, is, justified is to be made righteous. Justification is to be made righteous. It's not to earn righteous. It's to be given righteous. And if you feel scared by that, <laughs> if, uh, if you've been a Christian for a long time and you look at us young whippersnappers and you're like, yeah, but I know how you people are. <laughs> just looking for an excuse. If you, if, you feel, if you feel worried by that, I just want you to know that the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you'll want to act like Jesus. The more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you want to act like Jesus. You see, because what 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 we tend what we usually call to be found found a sinner is called license. There there's 
usually these two categories that we put people in, legalism and license, and we try to run the middle of those two. But what I would say to you is that the categories aren't important. What's important is that when you are made righteous, that you will fall in love with Jesus. And the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you'll want to live like Jesus. That's the way that works. So he he goes on. He says for verse 18... He's going he's gonna to take it even farther. He's, if, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. So if I, if, I, if I get saved, if I come to Christ and I'm made righteous, and then I try to put it back on my shoulders, I've gone back to where I started. Gone back to where I started. Because it can't be all about Jesus to get me into heaven and then become all about me staying in heaven. Does that make sense? So what Paul's saying is to, to move past the gospel is to never have gotten the gospel. If, if it ever becomes about something more than Jesus, then, then we've lost Jesus. So he keeps going, said, for, though, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. It's the next blank. I love this. To live you must die. To live, you must die. For through the law, I died to the law. You see, the law is there because it's good. You need to know. Listen to me today. If you don't know Jesus, you need to know this. You need to know that you're a sinner. You need to know that. And God's law is here. The do's and don'ts of Scripture are there. To show you that you're a sinner. And let's be honest with each other. We wouldn't have to follow each other around very long. Those who go to church, you hear me say that all the time. You wouldn't have to spend but a car ride with me. To know that I'm not perfect. If you have kids, forget it. All the parents said. Amen. <laughs> But listen to what Paul says here. Through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. And what does that look like? What does that look like? Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, you want to know what it looks like to live for Jesus? Here it is. The life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if, righteous, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And can I get a witness in church that Christ did not die for no purpose? The six people we baptized two weeks ago and the people we're baptizing today are evidence that Christ did not die for no purpose. Amen? How do I live as a Christian? Can we just put that in a quick formula there in your notes? Me, dead. <laughs> That's always a good place to start, by the way. It really is. Me, dead. Jesus said it this way. If you choose to lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. 
Why? Because the Bible says our heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? We're not a good barometer for making the right decision. We need other people in our life to help us do that. Me dead. Christ alive. Christ alive. If I'm dead and Christ is alive, I'm off to a great start. I'm off to a great start. And then life equals faith. What is faith? The Bible gives us a great definition. It says faith is the evidence of things not seen. I just want to end today not knowing where all of you stand with Jesus. As you consider your life today, I would be not doing what God has called me to do if I didn't ask you to consider what have you done with Jesus? You see, it's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And the reason is this. Because nobody else gave their life for you. Nobody else is able to make you right with God. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what you're going to do in your future. What matters is right now, whether you're in this room or watching online, we're going to listen to this later. What matters is what you're going to do right now with Jesus. The last blank in your notes there, the last two blanks, is this. And I want you to really process this and pray about it in your heart. Because Jesus gave it all for me, I can give it all for Him. Because Jesus gave it all for me, I can give it all for Him. You know, the Christian life is not about getting better. It's about coming alive. Christian life is not about getting better. It's about coming alive. Have you come alive? Have you been made alive? Do you know Jesus? What we're going to celebrate here shortly in baptism is people being brought from death to life. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that we are dead in our sins. I want you to know, beyond a shadow of a doubt right now, if you don't know Jesus, you are spiritually dead. Hell is a real place, and real people go to that real place. But you do not have to. God never throws anybody into hell. He gives us the choice, and we choose. And so, I don't want you to walk out of here not having the opportunity to know Christ. See, we, we do a lot of things at Redeemer City Church, but none of them matter as much as this. And on this Baptism Sunday, we'd love nothing more than to lead you to life. So the band's going to come back up, and I'm going to pray. But as I do, I just want to encourage you to consider where you're at. Consider where you're at. Have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus? If you haven't, 
let me, let, me, let me just tell you how easy it is. Just tell you how easy it is. You can stand with me. The band's going to lead us in a song here. But as you consider your life today, and you can't answer for anybody else, you've got to answer for you. There's two sides of it, right? The first is if you if you know Christ, are you living in the freedom of the gospel? Are you living in the, as a slave to the law? See, because trying to get better and better and better is not going to work out. But falling more in love with Jesus will end up making you better and better and better. The way you go about that matters. But second don't know Christ I want to encourage you to make that decision today because the thing that separates Christianity from every religion is that with your problem of sin every other religion in the world tells you to work your way to God and what the Bible says is that God came and worked his way to you Paul said it this way in Galatians. He said that Christ loved you and gave himself up for you. So I want to encourage you to make that decision today. If you want to do that, come see myself or Jake in the back. One of the other people sitting near you, we would love to, love to walk you through that. Let's listen to this song as they sing.